thank you, Father God, for the many testimonies that were just shared now, Daddy. It's just a manifestation of your goodness and your faithfulness. And so this morning, we just want to honor you first and foremost, Dad. Thank you for the many lives that have been touched and changed through this ministry, Father God. Thank you for the work that you've called us to do in this vineyard, in the kingdom of God. And so this morning, I pray that even as I minister, Father God, that the word will go forth with power. It will bring understanding, Father God. It will build up your people, Father God. That every person who hears will be built up in faith to possess all that you've given and blessed them with. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen, amen. This morning I want to continue down a similar vein of what I was on last week. And we dealt with just entering into His rest, amen. Because you can't rest if He's not resting, amen. So God is at rest because His work is complete. And therefore we enter into the completed work and we experience the rest, amen. And this morning I really want to touch on what's called the reality of rest. Say the reality of rest, Amen. And as you can see, that is a reality of rest. It's the manifestation of God's rest in their lives. Amen. And we're seeing it and therefore we're celebrating it because of what God has done in and through their lives. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. Ephesians 2 verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Stay there. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is how you live your whole life in the kingdom. This, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. That's how you appropriate everything in the kingdom of God. I'm going to break it down, this one little scripture, this one little verse. It's the key to the manifestation of God's rest, God's grace, and God's goodness in your lives. So let's go. Let's start. So let's break it down. It says, for by grace... Grace. Let's start with grace. All of what God has provided for you has been done by grace. Grace means it's the unearned, undeserved favor of God upon your life. That means you didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. You did nothing for it, but God chose to give it. So even what we dealt with last week with that full reality, the full life that God has given you, all of that he gave to you for free. He gave it as a gift. To you. He never charged you. He never asked you to do anything. He gave it and made it available to you. And while what he has given has been given by grace, while we might think, well not think, while we know it's free, it's not cheap. Because it cost Jesus his life. Amen. His death, burial, and resurrection is the only reason why we can enter into what God has got for us. Because he who is grace provided for us the full life that God is in store for us. Amen. God stepped onto the scene and fixed what we broke and what we didn't have the ability to fix. Are you with me this morning? God came on, we broke it. Adam broke it. In Genesis chapter 3, he broke it. But he did not have the ability within himself to fix it. So God came onto the scene and fixed our mess and then gave us access to what was fixed with no cost. Romans 5 or 17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. You want to reign in life? You want to be victorious in life? It's through grace. 
Amen. It's through the free gift of righteousness. God made you right with himself without you doing anything. Because when Adam sinned in the beginning, Adam could only then produce after his own kind, which means he could produce a sinner. He couldn't produce someone that was righteous. He produced the next generation that he produced and generations after that only had the ability to produce the fruit of sin. That's why you don't have to teach your children how to lie. You have to teach them how to tell the truth. Amen. You don't have to teach them how to lie. My son wanted to take his iPad the other day to school. And um, I don't like them taking the stuff. If they don't need to have it at school, you don't need it at school. So the one day they had steam, so he had to take it to school. The next day, his brother has steam, so his brother must take it to school. And now he's like, okay, I must also take it to school because they wanted for steam. I said, but you didn't have steam yesterday. He says, no, 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 they wanted it at school today. I said, okay. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust your word. But if you're lying, I'm coming. It was in two minutes later, he said, Daddy, I'm lying. Who taught him how to lie? It's the sin nature that is in there. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's the fight for every believer. It's the sin. Well, not every believer because we made righteous. You deal with the flesh later. But it's what is ingrained in you when you are born a natural birth. As cute as that baby is, is born with the ability to produce sin. Then it says, by one man, that happened. We didn't have a choice. You were just born that way. You didn't have a choice. But then God says, through one man's righteousness, through Jesus Christ, through what he did in the cross, I now have access. That's what the Bible says. You're going to be born what? Again. Jesus wasn't born from the seed of Adam. That's why I had to be born of a virgin. The Holy Spirit had to impregnate Mary and give a seed that wasn't from Adam so that the seed from heaven could produce heaven in the earth. Are you with me? And when I become born again, I'm born of that same seed. Are you understanding me? So God didn't come to, to wipe or cover your, uh, to cover your sin. He came to completely take it away. By what? By giving you a new beginning when you get born again. That's why old things have passed away. That old seed is no longer me. This new seed that comes from Jesus Christ, this is me. Uh, but here's the key. It's been given by grace. Because you could never have fixed it. You could never have fulfilled the law. Because the seed inside of you would not allow you to. That's why religion keeps people in bondage because it makes them do stuff to qualify for God's blessing. But the problem is you can do good today and come to church, but you leave right now and somebody cuts in front of you and that little bee comes out of your mouth. <laughs> you see how quiet this is just going. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, I'm a, I can see all of you. You can only see one of me, but I won't judge you. Praise the Lord. But you understand what I'm saying? How are you ever supposed to keep yourself in this if you do not have the ability to do so? That's why as you grow in your walk with God and learn to respond to what God's done inside of you, you won't become sinless, but you will definitely sin less. Amen? Why? Because if you continue to respond to that thing that's in you, you will function by that nature and not by the old man. Amen? So God does everything for you before you did anything for him. That's the good news. That's why it's called the gospel. Amen. It's good news. God did everything for you before you did anything for him. I heard somebody at the gym the other day. I was at the gym and as I'm just throwing in for a five cents extra. 
I was at gym down the morning and I don't talk to people. Eh? If I'm at gym, I want my headphones in my ears. I'm listening to the word and I'm spending time with my daddy. It's like one of the best times that I have every day. But I got the word in my ears and I'm just listening to what God is saying. And it's awesome. And this guy comes and he starts talking to me. I'm like, yo, Jesus. <laughs> While I'm in my set, I'm like, buddy. You know what I'm saying? But it's because he's gym buddy's not there. Anyway, so he starts talking. He's a Christian. I know he's a Christian because they're continually talking about Jesus. They don't know who I am. So he starts talking to me, ask me what I do, and I tell him about the campus, about the church, and I'm a pastor. He's like, oh, that's awesome, whatever, whatever. He says, you must listen to this teaching, man, by this guy. I'm like, okay, cool. He says, yeah, you know, because they preach the full gospel. I'm like, okay. He says, yeah, not just the good gospel, the bad gospel. I was like, okay, I don't know what Jesus you serve. But first and foremost, the word gospel in itself means good news. So how's he preaching the bad good news? Do you know what I'm saying? But I can see he's stuck in religion. Because everything about him is, yeah, I must just die to myself, die to my flesh, you know, just, yeah. I'm like, sure, brother, you're on your own. I'm like, I don't need to get into this now because now we're going to have a sermon up in here. I'm like, peace on me. I'm going to continue my gym, but you continue on your way. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, it's religion will put you in a place and make you want to earn and deserve what God has already given you. And like I said to you last week, I said, your position determines your perspective. But the reverse is true. In a, you know what I'm saying? If your perspective is incorrect, I can tell you you're positioned wrong. He's not positioned in the freedom of Christ. Why? Because he's bound in religion. He's outside of his positioning and therefore he's seeing it a certain way. Amen. And hear me, when, when, when you realize that there's nothing that you can do that can make God love you more. There's nothing that you can do that can qualify you for what grace has provided. There's nothing that you can do. God never asked it of you. He didn't want your effort. The Bible says your good deeds are as filthy rags. It positions you completely differently in your relationship with God and gives you a freedom and a liberty. Amen. It gives you a freedom and a liberty. God did everything for you before you did one thing for him. And the same is true in the beginning. If you go back to the beginning and you read Genesis chapter 1, God sets everything in place, puts everything the way that it must be, so that he doesn't have to do anything ever again, makes man lost. Not because man was the lost thought, no, because man was the final piece of the pie. If he had to make Adam, I think in day four or something, Adam would have to tread water the whole day because there was no land. So he prepared everything. He completed everything. And then puts him in. Adam did nothing for it. Grace provided it. Amen. Grace provided it for him. So when you look at God and you look at how he works and you look back in the beginning and you look to what happened through Jesus, you see the same picture that God has done everything for us before we did one thing for him. The Bible says while you were still a sinner, there's people sitting in pubs now, like Apostle always said, they're coming closer to God. And there's people sitting in churches going further away from God. But the, while that guy's sitting in his mess, while he's sitting in the depth of his sin, when Jesus Christ was on the cross more than 2,000 years ago, he saw him in that place and said, I will still die for him. Whether he chooses me or not, I will die for him. Because grace is the expression of love and God is love. Amen. So it's been given, what? By grace. You don't earn it. Amen. That's the gospel. Let's go further. Number two, saved. For by grace you have been 
saved. Now, many times I spoke about it last week. Many times we treat salvation as we're just going to heaven. And that's what I thought. And therefore, you have no power on earth because your perspective is incorrect, because you're positioned incorrectly. So you get beaten up. You get condemned every time you come into church because you don't understand what God has done for you. And you feel like you need to get saved all the time because you don't even know if you're going to go to heaven or not. Do you know what I'm saying? And all you know is, okay, now I get born again. Okay, now I'm going to heaven. Now what do I do while I'm here? So you go through life struggling and in a mess because all you know is one day, one day, I'm going to be okay. But that's not God's intention. Salvation comes from the Greek word sozo, which is saved, delivered, physically healed, made whole, preserved. Hear me? It's your complete deliverance. It's God doing a complete remake over you. The Bible says you're a new creature. You're no longer the same. That's why when you get born again, they can't look at you the same anymore. People try and measure you the same, but you're not the same. When I got born again, the people said, Oh, no, Brampi, it's gonna end. Either he's conning the people, or it's just a phase. Because you could only see the old man, they can't see the new man. Are you understanding me? Yet inside, I was totally transformed. What Adam lost through sin, we experienced death in his spirit, man. Jesus came to fix on the cross and gave us life, life in abundance to the full until it overflows. So 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23, it says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and make your whole spirit, soul, and body preserved, be preserved, blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a three-part being. And I want to give you this understanding. You are a three-part being. You are spirit first. You possess a soul and you live in a body. Spirit first, possess a soul, live in a body. Your spirit man is the creation, is the ultimate. It's the spirit man that was made in the image and the likeness of God according to Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. When God says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness and let him have dominion. That was what in the spirit, it was a spirit man. The Bible says God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So the real essence of who we are is the spirit man. Then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says God formed man from the dust of the ground. He formed a vessel, formed this body that we're living in right now. He formed this body, and in that body, he breathed the breath of life. What was that? The man he made in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he breathes into the vessel in Genesis 2, verse 2, verse 7. And the Bible says he becomes a living being. But what's the essence of man? The spirit. You can't live on this planet if you don't have a body. Are you with me? But you can't kill a spirit. So God says to him, if you eat of this, the fruit of this tree, you will die. So man is disobedient and does he die when he eats the fruit of the tree? Yes, he does. Why? Because the essence of man is the spirit. He's separated from God forever. Well, at that point in time, are you with me? So man dies in his spirit, in the essence of who he is, which then later translates into the soul, which then later translates into the body. And 900 years later, Adam has to die because there's no more life in the spirit of the man. Are you understanding me? So when Jesus comes to bring the wholeness, the deliverance, the fullness of what he was speaking about, it was where? It was in your spirit, man. You were fully restored all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 verse 6, made in the image and the likeness of God. And that's what we broke down last week. Are you with me? Why? It's in your spirit, man. The essence of who you are, the reality of who you are, that man was made whole. Here's the thing. If, 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 if I'm an astronaut and I go to space, I get put on what? A space suit, right? 
I put in a space suit. I go into space, do what I need to do, jump around on the moon, come back home. I take my suit off. I put the suit there. Do you go and speak to Brian at the suit? I think they'll take you somewhere. You must start talking to a suit. No, it would be crazy. Why? Because that's not me. I was in there. So how do you deal with man like that? I, me, the real me is in here, but it's not me. I only need this to function here like I need a space suit to function in space. I only need this, but the real jewel and the treasure is where? Is hidden in the earthen vessel. It's in me. Are you understanding me? And the day I get born again, my spirit man comes alive to God. I'm connected back to the source, which is God. Are you with me? And now I'm whole, I'm delivered, I'm set free, but that still has to translate to the rest of my being. But the reality is that in Him, everything is done. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18 says, While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are but the things you just not seen are eternal. He's saying what? The things that you see here, the issues that you deal with here in the earth, the things that you experience here in the natural, these things are all subject to change. That's temporary. It means it's subject to change. Eternal means forever. Are you with me? And that which is temporary is always subject to that which is eternal. That means the spiritual realm, the eternal realm, is more real than the natural realm. It's just we've been taught to live the wrong way. We make this more real than that. Are you understanding me? Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The spiritual realm is making things in the natural, whether dark or light. Amen. Whether dark or light. So that realm is more important than this realm has authority over this realm and what they decide in that realm determines what's going to happen in this realm. That's why Satanists go and pray. Why? They want to establish things over a region and they know they've got to tap into a realm that is unseen in order to mess with the scene. But we have authority over. So if we say something or we stand in faith in agreement with God's kingdom over a region, no matter what they said or what they did, our reality must come to pass because we've been given all authority, all power over the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt us. Amen. So just in dealing with, 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 with the spirit man and the wholeness, the sozo of the spirit man, I'm going to touch on that 10 points. I'm not going to go through it. It's going to take way too long. But I just want you to understand that this is the reality in your spirit man. I've only got 10 points. I don't have more. There is much more. If you go through the word of God, you'll see the full picture. Just hear me on this quickly. In Genesis chapter 1, when God makes man and places man, Genesis chapter 2, that's the perfect picture. It's the reality that man was living in. Are you with me? He was living in God's rest. Everything was provided for him before he did anything. And God makes him and he only lives in what God had provided. Amen. And when he falls, you follow the word right through until the time of Jesus. There's promises that come through. Amen. What are those promises? Those promises are little pictures of what the reality was in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Are you understanding me? It was a drawback to the place of what God had originally intended for us to live in. So when you're reading these things, these things are actually the picture of what was real in Adam's life. Amen. 
Jesus came to restore it back to that point. So number one, you are born of God. That means you're born again of the incorruptible seed of God. The day you receive your salvation, that seed is incorruptible. Nothing can mess with it. Nothing can change it. You are forever his child. Amen. It says you are God's children. Number two, John chapter 1 verse 12 says, With those who believe, you gave them the power to become children of God. God is your father. That's why sometimes in my prayer time, I will say daddy. Not for anything or for anybody, but to reaffirm in me that the God of the universe is my father. He's my papa. I can go to him with anything because he loves me with an unconditional love. Number three, God is in you. The Bible says that the fullness of the God that dwells on the inside of you. You are forever righteous. Number four, that means there's nothing that I can do because grace has provided it. And because it's a free gift, there's nothing that I can do that can put me outside of right standing with God. I cannot do anything. There's no sin that can separate you from God. Number five, you're anointed. Amen. Flank is experiencing breakthrough. Why? You're anointed. When you go into the, into the boardroom, I'm anointed. I've got answers. I'm sitting in here. The yoke destroying power of God is upon me. Number six, you have power of the enemy. Don't give the enemy no space. There's a story that Dr. Bull always shares. He says this guy comes running into the church and he's tired. You know, the pastor says, what song? He says, sure. I've got the devil on the run. He says, oh, okay, that's good. He says, no, the only problem is he's chasing me. Stop giving the devil space. Stop making him bigger than your God. Hear me. The devil is not in his league. Nowhere near. The only reason why he has a space is because man gave him authority in the beginning. But if God must sneeze, the devil is gone. There's no fight. Hear me. That's why God, if you, if you read in, Mark, in, in Matthew chapter 6, God doesn't even say, you either love God or the devil. Uh-uh. He says, you either love God or mammon. Because mammon can have a piece of your heart. The devil's not in his league. The devil is not in his league. Hear me today. The devil, it's not like God and the devil will stand. There is nothing like that. And the Bible says he's been stripped, publicly humiliated, and made a spectacle of when Jesus stripped him and took everything from him that he took from Adam in the beginning. Amen. Sure, feel like Teddy Jakes. Number seven, you are blessed. Amen. Apostle, go back to that message. I'm telling you now, I'm not just saying this for saying this. Say, go back to the message. I think it was two weeks ago where Apostle preached on the blessing. Go and soak yourself in that word to understand who you are and what is on you. That wherever you go, people must, must give up what must be given up for your purpose. Things need to change. The curse must stop. You've got an empowerment to produce on levels. Because of the blessing that is upon you. Number eight, every promise is complete. We sang it this morning. Is yes and amen. There's nothing that God must still do. He's done. When Jesus said, it is finished, it was what? Finished. There was nothing more for him to do. He completed every promise. He fulfilled it in that one moment. And that full promise of everything is in your spirit, man. It's done. Amen. Grace provided it for you. Number nine, you are co-heirs with Christ. Amen. Whatever is in Christ, whatever Christ has access to because of, his, or because of who he is, and whatever he is an heir to, we are heirs to. Amen. You are, some people are living in places and occupying spaces because we are allowing them to. Yeah, yeah, I'm coming for my stuff. The Bible says little by little. Amen. But each and every person here, there's, there's people that you are allowing to Stay in certain places or be in certain spheres or own certain territories because the church hasn't gotten up to take ownership of what it's supposed to be. 
Amen. So when you're going into construction, you're taking over a territory. I don't care who's there. Unless you're a believer, it's mine. Oh, you're very quiet. Unless you're a believer, it's mine. Are you with me? When I go into a, into a place, into a territory, unless you're a believer, unless you're my brother, and we co-heirs together, what co-heirs co-heirs with Christ, I'm taking. Number 10, you have the mind of Christ. There's no problem that you cannot solve. People in your company, whether you work for somebody or whether you work for yourself, people must be coming to say, this naughty problem I don't have an answer for. Because they must know that you've got it with you. They knew to go fetch Joseph wherever he was. They didn't care that he was in a prison. He was the only one that had the mind to answer it. Why? He had the mind of Christ. Amen. So they had to go fetch him from a place that the Pharaoh would never have gone to. What king wants to speak to a prisoner to solve his problem? But there was nobody else. He had the answer. People must know that about you. Amen. The day you got saved, the day you said yes to Jesus, all of that and more became your reality immediately in your spirit man. There was nothing that was left out, nothing incomplete, but completely saved and that's why God is in a state of rest. The Bible says Jesus is what? Seated. Not running around. He's done. He's seated at the right hand of God. Amen? So, if the reality in your spirit, man, is complete, why do so few people experience it in, in the natural? That's all, everybody's challenge. Amen? Everybody says, how do I translate the reality of my spirit, man, and what God has done on the inside of me, and bring it into a place where it manifests in the natural? You hear me? You got your spirit, you got your soul, and you got your body. You want to experience it here, but it's a reality here. The thing that's in the middle is the problem, which is your soul. Amen? So the Bible says, by grace... You have been saved, sozo, by, come on now, by, by, faith is the one that brings it across. Hear me. Grace and sozo saved, the fullness was all done by God. God did that. Faith sits with us. When you have to appropriate your faith to bring in what grace has provided. And that's why people are experiencing their testimonies are coming through. Why? Because they heard a word. The word spoke to the reality in their spirits. And because they believed and stepped out in faith, it manifested in the natural. Amen? So let's go there. 3 John 1 verse 2. He says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers, not your spirit. Your spirit man is prosperous. You can't change that. It's incorruptible seed. Can't be messed with. Can't be affected. It is what it is because God did it outside of you. But your soul still needs to be saved. That's why you can have a bloopsy come out of your mouth when you leave the church. You're all spiritual up in here. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. How are you doing, my brother? Blessed and highly. You know what I'm saying? Go outside. Somebody was like, bloops. Where does it come from? It's not your spirit. It's your soul. Amen. So he says, I pray that you prosper and be in health just as your soul. So soul prosperity determines whether you experience the spiritual reality. 
Soul prosperity determines whether you experience the spiritual reality. Because if there's a clog in your soul, it's not going to flow. Amen? It's not going to flow. Your soul is made of your mind, your will, and your emotions. And it deals with your conscious and your subconscious mind. And your conscious mind is, the, is what you, are you receiving information now. So if you're listening to stuff, you're watching stuff, you're experiencing things, it comes first into your conscious mind. And later, if it keeps repeating, I'll teach you about it later, it's going to go and become your subconscious. But your subconscious is really your belief system. It's where you act out without thinking, without processing information. When you, when you learn how to drive, you know, you've got to think about where must I put my feet. Oh, is the clutch? What's the clutch? What's the gears? Like, oh, I must indicate you now. I'm going to do look all the mirrors. You know, so I'm going to move your head. You know what I'm saying? I must do that, all that, check, whatever. And, and, and in my first couple of months, whatever it is, I have to think before I act. Eventually, it shifts down into a place of I believe that this is how the car works. I don't think anymore. When I see a red light, I don't have to think, what must I do now? Must I stop? Okay, stop. Put your clutch in. Then the brakes. Take it out. Of me. You understand what I'm saying? You don't think. You just act what? Without thinking. Because you believe that this is what must happen. It shifted. It shifted from your conscious mindset into your subconscious, which is your belief system. Amen? Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. It says, for as a man thinks, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. It doesn't say as he thinks. It says as he thinks in his. At the core of who you are in your belief system, whatever's lodged in there, whether right, whether wrong, whether healthy, whether sick, whether poor, whether wealthy, it does not matter whatever's lodged in there, whatever's locked up in your subconscious, in the heart of who you are, you will act upon that. That's why Apostle always says you don't attract what you want, you attract what? Who you are. Because locked down deep inside, in your, in your soul, in your belief system, there's things that's driving you without you even knowing. You know when you say, I will never be like my father. <laughs> I said it. But there's certain things that I do that I know is just like my daddy. Why? I saw it too much. Even though I didn't, in my conscious mind, I wanted to make a decision that I don't want it, my subconscious received it as norm. Amen? And you can only affect your subconscious, your subconscious through your conscious mind through repetition. How powerful is that? It's through repetition. You have to consistently put in information in order for you to drop down into your subconscious. You've got to sow that seed in your subconscious. You've got to water that thing. And once it takes root, it's done. It's in. It's set. That's what I believe. That's what they say in the first six years, you determine your child's mindset. It's done. Personality even done. Six years. Why? Because in this first, you know, when a child is born, I don't know what the age till they don't use their conscious mind. It's all subconscious. It's all information that they're receiving and it's going into the depth of who they are. Amen? So it's either through repetition or through a tragic event or through an event that brought huge excitement and exhilaration. So those things that are happening in your life, the milestones that you can remember, those things shaped you without you even knowing they were shaping you. And because they happened, you're making decisions based upon what they shaped you for. Amen. So that's why when you come, you know, I always used to think if I knock, if I knock myself, you know, I think God's punishing me. Because I was taught when I was younger, you know, if you didn't listen and you knock yourself in your mind, say, see, God is punishing you. You don't even know. I was saved. 
I knew that Jesus loved me. I knew that grace would never punish me. And there's times when I knocked my foot, I'm like, yo, Lord, Lord one, you know, I should do it to the Lord. The Lord said to me, and he said, did I do that to you? The Holy Spirit said to me, did I do that to you? I was like, sure. I never even realized what I had in my mind. I thought every time I was experiencing a knock or pain, I associated to God allow, letting that thing happen to me and God making it happen to me. Without me even knowing, because I was taught that as a youngster. You see, so when we talk about grace, hear me, religion and the world system teaches you the same thing. That you must earn your way. Be careful what you teach your children. Be careful what you teach your children. Say the ABC, oh, well done. Okay, here's a hundred rand. Okay, now you did what you did. Well, it's cool. You got A's. Okay, here we reward you. Now you get D's. Ah, sorry, buddy. You're teaching them an earning system. Now, there's nothing wrong with teaching them to understand certain things concerning it, but you don't build their lives upon it. You teach them consequence. Because consequence is very different to earning something. Consequence, when, consequence is based upon the decision-making process. Because Jesus, God says, you are set before your life and death. You choose. But whatever you choose is your consequence. I'm not affecting anything towards you. I've already provided it for you. Amen. It's like when my, when my son lied that day and he came back and told me the truth two minutes later. I said, let me tell you something now. Daddy won't eat you. I'm not going to give you a hiding now because you made the right decision. In my relationship with you, you always tell me the truth, baby, no matter what it is. Even if there's going to be a consequence, it's okay. But the fact that I love you doesn't change. So consequence, they will never go without consequence. Never. Never, 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 never. If you made a wrong choice, there's going to be a consequence because next time you're going to think, it burnt here when I made that decision there. So I don't make it again. Do you understand what I'm saying? What is it? It's consequence. But I don't make you earn your way with me. Because that's not God's system. You don't earn it with God. And that's why people sometimes use their faith. In I'm getting ahead of myself. Don't go there. Stop it. Just stop it. So, this is where we need to start. We need to deal with the fact that people are walking in unbelief because what has been set in before. Mark chapter 4 verse 24 says, Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. So he's saying, stop just taking in any information. Because whatever information you're taking in, it's going to be given more to you. So if you keep listening to the naysayers who are saying you're never going to make it, it's never going to come to pass, God doesn't, no, 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 no. It's like, I don't want to spend my time with you. You're putting the wrong thing in here, and if you listen to it long enough, it's going to affect your belief system. That's what the Bible says, good, bad company corrupts good character. I don't care. Show me your friends. I'm telling you what's going to happen in the future. You can think you that, oh, it's not possible. Why? Because the same information you're going to receive in your conscious, and the more it's repeated, it's going to go into your subconscious, and you're going to make decisions based upon that thing. It's not possible. But the same is true on the opposite. That if I focus on the Word of God, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. It's not God. He says, if you take the reality of this word and, and you sow this into your subconscious, think about it. There's a reality in your spirit, man. Amen. There's a reality in your spirit, man, that is full, saved, 
delivered, set free, nothing missing, nothing broken. Are you with me this morning? That's the fullness of salvation on the inside of you. When I take the word of God, which is expressing every promise that is fulfilled, and I sow that into my conscience and I meditate, I repeat, what's going to happen? It's eventually going to become my belief system. Now my belief system is going to line up with what's happening in my spirit, man, and it's going to open up for the flow and the manifestation. Think about it this way. You have a tap. Everybody should have a tap. I hope we all have taps, yeah? But there's a tap, right? In your garden, in your kitchen, wherever it is. That tap has got pipes connected to a dam that's got a source of water. Amen. Can you see it? Because that which is unseen is more real than what is seen. So even though I see no water here, there's water there somewhere. Are you understanding me? It's connected to the full source and supply. Your spirit man is connected to the full source and supply. Now I've got a hose pipe. And I want to water the roses in the garden. I want a manifestation of what's not seen to become seen over my roses. Are you with me? But if this side that must plug into the tap is not plugged in, it's not going to happen. There's going to be no flow. Here's the thing. Every time I meditate on the Word of God, and I meditate on the Word of God, and I connect to the reality of what is unseen. I connect to the reality on that tap of what is not seen. When I open up the tap, the word's going to come out where it needs to be. So when you're meditating on the word, it's not just because, oh, die brothers are holy. It's if I've seen, yo, I stopped net mid Bible. That guy, yo, I've never seen anybody more holy than him because that guy is permanently with his Bible. You think, okay, now some people are. They just walk on the Bible, just walk in the Bible, sick. You understand what I'm saying? Former God, it is no power. But when you're studying the word, meditating on the word, what are you doing? You're positioning yourself for the breakthrough. Are you with me this morning? You're positioning yourself for the breakthrough. Here's the thing. You're connecting to the source. So when God says they could not enter in because of what? Their unbelief, even though it was there. You know, in Numbers chapter 13, when the 12 spies came out, do you know what they had in agreement? What, what they all spoke in agreement? Now, if this was youth, I would have given a chocolate for the right answer. But do you know what they all spoke in agreement? They all spoke about the abundance of the land. They were in agreement. They said, no, this land flows with milk and honey. But it didn't stop there. So the, the, the promise or what God had set out for them or the reality that was there, they did not deny the problem was in their soul that they could not connect with it because they saw themselves below what they should have seen themselves. So when you're studying the word and meditating on the word, it's to connect to the tap so that the flow can take place. Are you with me? That's how you manifest the rest. That's how you manifest the rest. That's how the rest, the reality of that rest becomes a reality in your life. Amen. I wonder what's going on. How much time have I got? Five minutes. Yeah. Okay. Jesus. By faith. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, okay. Let me just touch on these points quickly. I'm not going to go too deep. Holy Spirit, help me. Okay, let's just go. Romans chapter 4, verse 16 to 21. In the Amplified, it says, Therefore, in everything, the promise is the outcome of faith. 
and depends entirely on faith, think about it, inheriting the promise, inheriting the reality of God, this is speaking about Abraham, is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith in order that it might be given as an act of grace. To make it stable, valid, guaranteed to all his sins. So grace makes it stable, valid, and guaranteed because you can't change it. God did it without you. But you can only receive it by faith. So what's the difference between faith and, and belief? It's two sides of the same coin. I can believe with all my heart. Okay, let's do this. As, as thirsty as I am right now. I can believe with all my heart that this water will quench my thirst. I believe. I, be, I do believe. I believe. I do you know that I believe. I believe that this water is going to quench my thirst. Seriously. You know how thirsty I am? I'm like super thirsty. Like look here. Like when you talk about thirsty, I'm thirsty now. I'm even hot here. And I believe this water will quench my thirst. I believe that this water is going to sort out my throat. I, I really believe. Guys, guys, I believe. I really believe. Do you know that? It's one side of the coin. Faith says, I'm going to take it and I'm going to drink it. So the one piece is your belief, but the other piece to complete it is faith. That's what the Bible says. Faith without works is dead. There must be a corresponding action to your belief system. There must be a corresponding action to your belief system. And hear me, here's the thing. Faith doesn't move God. Faith moves you. You see, when you think your faith is moving God, you're saying he's not resting. Because now God must still get up and do something for you. So faith, faith doesn't move God, it moves you. The same way it will connect you to the, to the tap, to the source, is the shift and alignment that comes when you get into faith. And hear me, when you grow in faith, the more you can open the tap. You can increase your capacity of faith. Are you with me? By continually sitting and staying in the Word. So your faith doesn't move God, it moves you. Faith is only designed to receive what grace has already given. Amen. Number two, I'm going to touch this. Faith takes what grace has provided. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance, the confirmation, the title deed of the things we hope for, being a proof of the things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. When you study the word of God, and that word becomes a reality to you, it becomes a rhema word. You study the logos, hear me, if you've got sickness in your body, go and study the scriptures on healing. Why? Because there's an existing reality on the inside of you that you are healed so the devil tries to put sickness on a healed person and if you refuse that thing it cannot manifest it cannot stay with you so what do you do you sit in the word you meditate in the word day and night you meditate in the word day and night and eventually one of that words gonna burst through there's a scripture in our home that God gave us over our son Judah it says uh, God has given me health and healing. He has healed me and given me the abundance of peace and truth. That scripture is found in the book of Jeremiah. That scripture, the other day, he was struggling with his, with a fever or something like that. He just had some allergies acting up. And as he went to go blow his nose, it's the first thing that came out of his mouth. God has given me, I'm like, what's this like to say? God has given me health and healing. He has healed me, given me the abundance of peace and truth. By his stripes, I am at all every day. In every way, I'm getting better and better in Jesus' name. It became, hear me? It healed him once. But it became his reality for healing. So anytime sickness comes, I can say, I reject you in the name of Jesus. Because I have a title deed that says, by his stripes, I am made whole. Hallelujah. Hear 
me if you own the house that bible says that faith is the title deed if you own the house even if you're renting it to somebody they don't own it even though it's not in your hand it's still yours are you with me it's still yours why because i got the paper i don't care that you got the stuff it's only a matter of time before i take what's rightfully mine are you with me so don't get caught up by what you see in the natural get into the word of god and claim that thing and sit in that word until god speaks to you and when you got your rhema word you say i've got my title deed for my breakthrough for my family for my finances for my business for my wisdom for my healing for my wholeness for my deliverance for my community for my city for my nation and nothing can shift me of what god has given me amen hallelujah i'm not gonna go down there now because there's much that can be done but here's the thing faith is our part when god put them in the garden he gave them everything this is what some christians are doing he gives you everything by grace i'm hungry jesus he says i've given you everything i'm hungry jesus adam in the garden he wants god to take the apple possibly peel it cut it nicely in quarters take out the pips and feed him no faith takes adam didn't ask he just when he said oh my daddy said i can have isn't this just so cool daddy gave us every fruit what do you want a watermelon today i'm gonna take a pineapple tomorrow i'm gonna we're sitting back and waiting for god to do but god's already done you're sitting back and expecting god to do something for you but you're completely out of position because he's already done it all for you there's nothing that you need right now in every area of your life even in your future till the day you go home to be with the lord that he has not done for you to fulfill your best life possible in the earth but it's our responsibility to work the faith that he's given us you got to get up every day you got to get into the word you got to stream you got to study you got to meditate so that you may observe the word that you may wake your way prosperous and you will have good success because he's done it already amen you can stand this morning i trust this morning has blessed you and helped you when we understand this you see it says by grace you were saved through faith we preach the word amen of god's goodness and grace to you one day this happened to most people we preach the word the gospel the good news of our god by grace outside of you provided a new life for you and what did you do you had to receive it by faith the greatest miracle that could ever have taken place is your new birth money healing nothing can compare to what god has done on the inside of you he made you a new creature there's nothing hear me wait wait, wait. there's nothing that comp can compare to it how simple was it 
to receive it. So why are you making your healing a hard thing? Why are you making your financial breakthrough a hard thing? You know that scripture that I read, he says, he says, Abraham continuously gave praise and thanks to God. That's not false. When that thing is real on the inside of you, you know that that's your reality. You will shout praises to Jesus every single day. Why? I'm not looking for my healing. I'm healed already. I'm not looking for my breakthrough. He's given it already. I'm not looking for the deal. The deal is done already. I'm not looking for my family to be saved. It's done already. Are you with me this morning? We got to change our position this morning. So we can see it the way God sees it. Over this church, I'm declaring. We're going to experience wave upon wave of restoration, recompense, breakthrough, acceleration in Jesus' mighty name. We're going to, they're going to say, this people know how to manifest the reality of God on the inside of them. They're going to say, this people, they walk in the manifestation of God's goodness. And the Bible says it's the goodness of God that brings men unto repentance. People are going to repent. Because they're going to see the goodness of God being made manifest in you. It's time to rise up. It's time to shift from where you are. It's time to believe God again. Break free from that unbelief this morning. Break free from that unbelief this morning. And say, God, I'm coming. I'm leaving everything behind.